you are invited as we delve into the unhinged. Get out of the grave, Alan. The grotesque. My and the bizarre. Speaking, what do you want? Whether you asked for it or not, this is Late Night Psychorama. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Late Night Psychorama, the podcast where you will get two movies that have nothing to do with each other, a la the glory days of the drive-in. We're going to spoil them, so if you don't want the movie spoiled, go watch them first and then come back and listen to this episode. I'm Joe. I'm Ryan. I'm Andrew. Tonight, we are covering frogs. Frogs lay hundreds of millions of eggs each year. What if they all hatched? American International Pictures presents Frogs, the story of the day nature strikes back. Frogs, an American International Picture rated PG. Today, the pond. Tomorrow, the world. And we will also be covering Alien from the Deep. Alien aus der Tiefe. Dieser Film ist wie ein Sprung ins eiskalte Wasser. Diese Männer versuchen, ihr Dschungelparadies zu verteidigen. Darf ich Ihnen mal eine Frage stellen? Weshalb sind die Jungs so sauer auf Sie? Doch sie sitzen auf einer tickenden Zeitbombe. Jetzt weiß ich, was mit dem Atommüll hier geschieht. Die Lava lässt sich nicht mehr aufhalten. Der Gasdruck hat den kritischen Wert überschritten. Steht uns etwa eine Eruption bevor? Alien aus der Tiefe. Es ist eine ungeheure Masse an purer Energie. And tonight we are joined by Brian Clark, writer for Scream Magazine and Attack of the Killer podcast alum, and also former guest on the show, back for his second trip. Why? Don't touch me, you snake squeezer. <laughs> that sounds like something my dad would call me in high school or something. <laughs> snake squeezer? Yeah. It's definitely what I'm going to refer to my intimate alone time now. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant. Like, <laughs> like, like a teenager going through puberty is like, oh, you snake squeezer. You know, when I was a little kid, I was uh, like uh, the babysitter took uh, her son to like go play t-ball and I had to watch and she tells us both to go, uh, oh, go water the snakes. We have to both go to the bathroom. She says, oh, go water the snakes, real Jersey mom style. And then uh, I was scared. I didn't want to pee on snakes and upset snakes and make them come after me like scary movie. Yeah. So I just held it in until I pissed myself. <laughs> <laughs> were you were afraid they were going to develop a, like a taste for your, your human piss? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They would follow me home. I would go to the toilet and I would open it, and they would come out. And, I, and no matter how much I flush, they just keep coming. <laughs> they come through me, the toilet. Give me some more, Brian. Welcome so you're back. Afraid of ghoulies. <laughs> mm. 
Ghoulies, on the other hand, I loved as a child, so. What's been going on since the last time you were here? I guess it's been like a year, right? Oh, God, it hasn't been that long, has it? I think it has, hasn't it? Or no? No, that was April. (laughs) It's just you've missed me so much. You've missed me so much that you couldn't wait. It makes the heart grow fonder. (laughs) We're all losing track of the days, so it's all I don't know what anything is anymore. (laughs) Yeah, we have really all been bunkered down like Day of the Dead or some shit. Yeah, it's just all a blur now. I'm just carving days, lines into my flesh for every day that passes by. Yeah, just to feel alive. <laughs> Anything yeah, going on? The first uh, Scream article on Son of Kong uh, finally came out in issue 60. Uh, they've got a okay. few more on deck. Uh, and uh, I've got a new short story called The Leash published on Amazon. Uh, it was sort of an experiment to see if I could work the self-publishing thing since I'm not very good with technological things but uh turns out it's real easy so that's up there yeah. now and it's oh, 99 cool. cents for the story or if you have kindle unlimited you can read it for free and i still get a couple of pennies out of the deal so oh sick oh i didn't know i could just go buy it i thought i just had to have a kindle that's awesome well you have to have a kindle to be able to read it ah foiled <laughs> again it, it's just like an 11 11- <laughs> It's just like an 11-page short story, so there wasn't really any, uh, it wasn't worth trying to get it in on paper for one story, but maybe I'll do a collection of stories at some point, throw it in well, there so it can be on paper. I would read it. I, yeah. I did have the opportunity to read one of your shorts, and that was a lot of fun. Every Halloween they come. And that's not that's not yet published, right? Right, yeah. That's potentially for an upcoming thing this fall, and if not, I'll try to find it at home somewhere else. So Sick. Has anybody seen anything that they want to mention? No. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, you watched anything recently that you want to gush about? I've been watching uh, Ultraman Z, the new Ultraman series that uh, Superai has been putting up on their YouTube page, uh, subtitled in English, as... Each individual episode comes out, and then it's up for like a week or two, and they take them back down. But it's at least a way for us American fans to see it um, until it, whenever Mill Creek gets around to putting it out on Blu-ray when it's finished airing. But that's pretty damn cool. Oh, cool! Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. It's how does it how does it live up to the original? Uh, oh, I mean, there have been so many Ultra so series many. since 1966, but um, the I mean, the effects have certainly come a long way. They're much more kid-oriented than they even used to be. They're pretty much toy commercials for Bandai now. But, uh, <laughs> but special effects-wise, they're, they're getting pretty brilliant at um, matting, like composite shots, so you can see the uh, human characters interacting with the monsters rather than just a shot of the people and then cut to a shot of the miniatures right. and a guy in the suit kind of thing. Oh, cool. But they, uh, it's, it's still people in suits? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sick. Quick question about Ultraman. Do do all of like, what is the science team in Ultraman called? The the first the, one the, is the Science Patrol. The Science Patrol. Do they all still are they in? Are they there around now? Every different Ultra series has a different team. Okay. Sometimes they're big, like military, government-funded teams, and other times they're just little groups of people, like running a website about monsters or something like that. Do they die horribly? Not usually, no. But the monsters get brutalized pretty bad. 
Yeah, and some of the some of the like the side monsters that are that are kind of cute and fun. From I remember from seeing old Ultraman, they would wander into the screen and then they would die horribly. And it's like, what? Why is this happening in a kids show? <laughs> <laughs> Probably thinking of Pigmon, the cute little red monster who has a balloon. Oh, uh, Red King steps on him. Yeah, yeah. that sounds right. <laughs> Joe, oh boy, did I watch a movie? I watched a whole movie. I for a whole movie outside of this podcast. It's amazing. I watched scary stories to tell in the dark. Okay. Um, as a a little bit of a research project, and it it started off kind of fun, kind of cool. I was like, "Ah, this isn't bad." The the opening, and then it just sputters out. It gets really bland. I don't want to spoil anything for the listeners, but there was a bizarrely. I'll just say this, a bizarrely patriotic ending, which Hmm. just, as if the movie didn't already disappoint me enough, there was just this extra corkscrew at the end. Just a corkscrew to the gut. Just twist. Oh, yeah. um, To be a hero, you go to Vietnam. Oh, okay. That movie came out recently, right? Interesting. Yeah, last August. Okay. Uh, That was last year. That was last year. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Last time we heard a scary story to tell in the dark, but I, I, I since all my my childhood books are like boxed up and Lord knows where now, I, I bought the hardcover of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark with all the old art. Oh man, that's that's been a fun walk down memory lane. Oh, that's cool. I have them jo- somewhere, but I haven't I haven't looked at upon them in quite a long time. Joe, you seen anything? I rewatched. Dario Argento's Sleepless recently, and my feelings on it have not changed. I think it's a pretty solid movie, especially considering that it's far removed from his glory days and happens just kind of in the middle of his not-good movies that he's been doing since opera. I'm not sure what the difference was, but if anybody out there it has avoided it, like, you know, like you've just avoided Argento post-opera, you know, just dismissed out of hand, go f- find Sleepless and watch it because it's actually very good. It's a straight-up giallo, like how he used to do. And while it doesn't, you know, ascend to any great heights like Deep Red or Burr of the Crystal Plumage or anything, it is still very good, especially... For a movie made in like 2000, 2001. Well, hell yeah. Brian, have you seen that one? No, I haven't. I've, I'm one of those people who've mostly avoided Argento's output after after the good stuff, I guess you'd say. <laughs> right, so I'm uh, talking I, to you specifically. Yeah. Well, I did watch his Count Dracula 3D movie with Rutger Hauer. That was pretty amazing. Yeah, I saw that recently as well, and oh my god. When when did that happen? Mid-2000s. Wow. Yeah, I, I, year. I managed to live in a world where I had no idea that existed. That's good. Yeah, you can go back I. to it. That's how far I've, I've strayed from his post-opera work. Yeah, I I don't I can't really explain Sleepless. I'm not sure why that one works, but all of a sudden right in the middle of everything you just have this like, you know, little little minor gem of a movie. Mm-hmm. At least, you know, in a 2000 context. And the the other 
uh, bonus to Sleepless Existing was that Goblin reunited to do the absolutely great soundtrack that oh, the that's movie neat. has. And then they promptly broke up again. So it was Simonetti was in the band? Yes. Th- this th- this is a- is actually what led to the fracturing of like the different goblins we have now. It's kind of like a gremlin thing. It's just they 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 ate food after midnight. It didn't agree with them. And they just <laughs> broke off into multiple units. Joe, uh, please uh, tell us all about frogs. <laughs> The movie. (laughs) (laughs) A wildlife photographer taking shots in a swamp ends up at the island estate of the Crockett family who own the surrounding property. The pesticides the family have been using have not gone over well with the local wildlife, and they decide to crash the family's 4th of July party. So, frogs. uh, We got um, a young clean-shaven Sam Elliott taking pictures of nature uh, who then is disrupted by um, some rich guy in a speedboat uh, who invites him over for a family 4th of July old man birthday party lunch. And um, there's frogs everywhere. There's pollution. Something about insecticide and pesticide and then all of a sudden, uh, people start getting killed and turning up dead. And uh, I guess it's not the frogs that are doing it, but um, they're there. <laughs> they are there, uh, riveting in the distance. And um, and that's pretty much it. That's the movie. <laughs> Andrew, you forgot one important detail. Oh, what? One describing Sam Elliott. You forgot to include the word sexy. Oh, yeah. Sexy. Yeah. <laughs> Taking pictures of nature. Now, at what at what point did Sam Elliott turn into the person that we know him as now with that mustache and that, that deep voice, that Sam Was Elliott it, voice? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what what what, what came first? What movie I, I came first? I think it's at, at some point around 1977 or so, he started spinning this bizarre silk cocoon around himself hung upside down from a tree and stayed in it for a year and in 1978 the cocoon broke open he chipped the chiseled it open with his mustache and out and out fell the sam elliott we know and love in his fully developed fully developed in-star stage it's not a bad evolution that's the only explanation honestly yeah, uh, Sam Elliott is in this movie, and he seems to be the only character that believe that I believe is a human being and not an actor playing a character. Yeah, not even Ray Milland. Uh, wh- which one's Ray Milland? He's the old guy. Jason. Yeah, the That's, old guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that felt like an actor to me. What the? <laughs> <laughs> he. It Sam. I mean. I, I mean, there's a big evolution in acting in in, in the 70s and uh, in American cinema, at least, where I, I feel like you start to see some people break into that mold of what we have as like contemporary acting, but you still have all these people stuck in that kind of realm of made-for-TV movies and television series. I feel like every other character in this movie is portrayed by an actor like that. 
particularly who's the who's the um the sister that he escapes with that would be Joan Van Ark, uh, who was also in The Last Dinosaur, which is a glorious Subaraya uh. <laughs> Studios and Rankin Bass co-production starring a visibly drunk and dying Richard Boone. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and does, does she seem like she walked out of a TV on that one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's pretty terrible. I, I'm getting some vibes that maybe this movie was sleepy. Andrew, did you find this movie to be sleepy? Oh, yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, it, like, it was kind of neat, but, um, yeah, it's just pretty much a bunch of people sitting around playing yard games until they one by one die in some dumb way. Yeah, you know that classic yard game log pillow fight? <laughs> yeah, log pillow fight. I love that one. Stand on a log, have a pillow fight. It's a classic American dawn game. Yeah. Also, bullying. That's a good yard game. Bullying? Yeah. Like, Where just, you... like, hazing someone? Yeah, you just bully someone. <laughs> it's like you're having fun. Hey, nerd. Yeah. Pick on this. <laughs> and then everyone's like, oh, I love this yard game. Yeah, you wedgie somebody, but you pull game. their underwear yeah. up over their head and send mm-hmm. them running. But yeah, it's uh, it's really slow paced, and there's like no real payoff, which kind of is a is a bummer. So, the movie's yeah. called Frogs, and the frogs yeah. only just show up at that yeah. one part. <laughs> like, what does a frog? What what would a frog do to someone? Like, what? Like, I mean, I know there's poison frogs, but these are just bullfrogs. I mean, they're big, but they're, do they eat? Is there is there ever is there any sort of case where a big bullfrog like ate a baby or something? <laughs> uh, I mean, cane toads are pretty scary, but uh, general the frogs are sort of the generals leading the animal revolt. Yeah, right. Like ah. they know they can't. They know they can't eat people. They know they can't uh, yeah. claw you to death or inject you with venom. <laughs> yeah, they're but pulling the strings time, behind the scenes. Yeah, like every time somebody gets killed by some other kind of animal, which are also often animals that wouldn't be <laughs> yeah. able to kill you. But then you know, always cut. They cut to those shot of the frogs. They're you know, there. Looking up. They're just yeah. watching. Yeah, they're there. They're accomplices. <laughs> they kind of remind me of maybe like Hypnotoad from Futurama. <laughs> the they whole movie got it. They do sort of push Ray Moland out of his wheelchair at the end. Yeah. Oh, and they crank call him too, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're, they're even polite enough to turn off the lights when everything's all said. Yeah. <laughs> Got to save that electricity bill. Yeah. <laughs> well, that probably well, brings us. The thing is, they're, they're against pollution, right? They're going to turn off the lights to conserve energy. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah. It, I, this is probably a great segue because you you mentioned it, Brian. Animals that are not typically capable of killing people, killing people in this movie. Mm-hmm. I love the animals attack subgenre, and it's it's interesting because this one is kind of earlier on that spectrum. A lot of those are like mid to late seventies, and this is early seventies. Seventy two, right? Yeah, um, yeah, seventy two. I feel like the genre hadn't completely figured itself out yet. Like the tropes hadn't been fully worked out. Like how to make an animal kill somebody in a movie, especially if it's an animal where they can't normally kill somebody in a movie. So, so many of the deaths in this movie are just people wandering into puddles or just, like, (laughs) falling over and just flailing around screaming as the real animals are just slowly being put on them, like snakes or or spiders. Mm. But we're not yet at the weird, grisly kind of kingdom of the uh, spider 
kind of death scenes where people are getting bitten and covered in web. It's just spiders on a body, and they're just like, oh, and now the actor is yeah. dead, or the character is dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an interesting <laughs> death. Like, I thought the spider I, I thought, one. Yeah, I thought. Oh, I thought the movie was going to be like, is everyone just going to get killed off screen or something, and this is going to be really boring? And then <laughs> that kid got like spun around and twine or tinsel or whatever the fuck that was and then like and then i'm just like oh maybe they should have just stuck to killing people off screen it was really See, bad. That, that's one of oh, my brother. two one of my two favorite <laughs> one of my two favorite kills is that it's supposed to be spanish moss i think oh, okay that 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 is apparently alive and strangles the guy yes. the, the tarantulas just sort of mean mug him. Yeah. Like you never see him get bit. Because I'm pretty sure at one point he's he's getting tarantulas just chucked at him by stage hands. Yeah. One goes but in his mouth. Like, several do. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I get the feeling that it's like the stage hands are making it of a game. Just like throw yeah. him, Like see if you can get him in his mouth. Yeah. Whoever gets the most points. Yeah. Let's make a game of it. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, you see. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just saying you see that a lot like you see like a pile of frogs and then another pile of frogs is just thrown on top of that pile of frogs like throughout the whole movie which is has its charm there's, there's a charm to that particular kind of animal mm. abuse yeah the, the the man that the first victim that you discover in the movie is a man laying face down in a puddle with mm. snakes all over him mm-hmm. and giant giant like beetles are crawling around on him he is so clearly breathing as he's, yeah. you know he's supposed to be a corpse. And I thought he was still alive. I thought he was no, like I'm face down in this puddle, and he turned him around, and he's still like just paralyzed or something. But nope, he was dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, so that's how much he was breathing is that yeah. it kind of makes the it makes the viewer believe that he might be still alive. Mm-hmm. But I can't blame a man for breathing when you have those snakes all over you, and it's kind of a bit of a long take. Yeah, like you got you got to do some breath. You're just face down in a puddle. Yeah. All the shots in this movie seem a little not great, except for the animal shots. I feel like all the close-ups of the animal shots were like, I don't know, they were great. Like, especially the tarantula one, not to get, we're going back to that, but like the, the close-up of the tarantula on top of the guy's face, like that was really great. But everything else was kind of flat and boring. I the- love frogs. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm a middle of the road with this one, and and I'm and I'm also gonna totally disagree with Ryan about Ray Milland. I I think that, like I understand what you're saying about the evolution of acting, but I also think that the guys who are among the best at that prior stage of acting evolution are still good when they're turning up in these things in the 60s and 70s and i think that he is also clearly head and shoulders above everybody else along with sam elliott in the movie for sure he won an academy award for the lost weekend in the 40s i can't remember exactly which year it was but i mean he's been in hollywood for a long time and you know he used to be a prestige actor mm. and then wound up being in a lot of this low budget genre stuff toward the end of his career including my favorite Roger Corman movie X the man with the x-ray eyes <laughs> he's one of those old Hollywood bowl frogs yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Apparently at some early stage when they were getting this movie together and they only had basically a title and a poster idea, um, they were talking to him because he was under contract. Like AIP seemed to just have everyone under contract at some point in their life. And they said like he was very... um, like, what the hell are we doing here? And not just, like, because he's, like, an actor and why am I being brought, you know, low like this, but actually from a director's standpoint, because people forget that he also directed some pretty decent movies of his own, that he was also looking at it from that point of view and going, like, I don't know what the hell you're going to make out of this. What movies did he direct? I know he did... uh, Panic of Year Zero. Really? I knew he was in that, but I didn't know he directed it. Yes, he directed it. Um, uh, what is the name of it? Hostile Witness, I think it's called. He he has like, I don't know, maybe like five or six movies under his belt that he just every once in a while he directed a movie. Oh, cool. He, he It's kind of funny to think that, that he was sort of in on this movie from, like, the ground up before there was even a script. Yeah, they had him in mind. They're like, we want him. Right. And then they had Just, him involved in it. Like, he was actually, like, at meetings and stuff. Like, they were talking about it. And, like, they said, like, the whole time, like, like he was willing to play nice and just do it. But he was just, like, rolling his eyes the whole time. Like, I don't know what this is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> Yo, uh, we, this is the, f- like, third time uh, AIP has come up more recently in our, our conversations. And uh, it makes me wonder Samuel Arkoff uh, being executive over there had his Arkoff formula that we discussed on another episode and Mm -hmm. to refresh everybody it's an acronym of his last name so all of his movies had to include action revolution killing oratory whatever the fuck that means in that context and fantasy also fornication (laughs) <laughs> but does this movie actually contain any of those things? Uh, there's some implied fornication. Yeah. <laughs> and there's killing. And There is killing. I thought the brother and sister had something going on. It was a little... They're a little too close. I they're think. a bit close. Uh, yeah. <laughs> why were they out alone on the boat? Yeah. Why? Why are they getting, like, ready for bed in front of each other? Yeah. <laughs> Oration Ray Milan delivers lots of speeches about his birthday party. Uh, All right, yeah. Fantas- fantasy, you have to fantasize that the frogs are killing people because they're not. Um, yes, yeah. <laughs> t- did I miss it? Revolution. The frogs stage a revolution. There's that one. Uh? Um, <laughs> no, keep going. You got this. <laughs> did I get all of them already? Uh, you went backwards. Uh, action. Yeah. Does this movie oh. have any action? Yeah, Sam Elliott almost gets run over by a speedboat. Oh yeah, there's that, and then there's that uh, that python just like falls on him while he's trying to push a canoe off of a bridge or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the the standards of the '70s versus the standards of today. There's no comparison. Yeah. I, <laughs> have, have you ever read Sam Arkoff's autobiography, "Flying Through Hollywood by the Seat of My Pants"? No, that sounds awesome. That's, yeah, it's good stuff. I'm I'm sure a lot of the stories are 
uh, will be nice and say embellished, <laughs> but right, right. It, it's an entertaining yeah. read. And I, even though the town is like 90 minutes away from where I live, I'm still going to go ahead and claim him as a hometown hero kind of guy. Cause he's from Fort Dodge, Iowa. Oh, wow. No. Okay. Did, did what, what is your hometown? You have a hometown hero or were we, t- were we talking about him last time you were on the show? What it- Maybe, yeah, our actual home, well, my actual hometown hero, no one else here knows who he is, but uh, Del Tenney, the guy who directed Horror of Party Beach and Curse of the Living Corpse, among other things, is from Mason City. That's the one. That's what we were talking about. Wow, you also got Sam Markov not too far away. That's cool. Yeah, so we got more than just Slipknot people. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently there was a death scene that involved a giant butterfly that was cut, but is still <laughs> in some trailers. Oh, wow. A giant wow. butterfly? Yes. <laughs> yeah, apparently there's like one, one of the women characters in the trailer seems to be killed by a giant butterfly. Well, that would be oh. more fitting because the old like, sort of doofy old lady is a lepidopterist. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of like, you thought that was going to, that that's exactly what I guess it was building up towards, but instead she just gets bit by a bunch of snakes. Like, that's funner. <laughs> That's I mean, maybe that's cool. <laughs> Funder. Yeah, I know. More fun. <laughs> the, the, I bet they, they, they tried to shoot that butterfly thing, <laughs> and they staged it. They just, they're like, all right, action. They just open up the butterfly cage, and the butterfly just fluttered <laughs> away. Yeah. <laughs> just like, oh, oh, fuck. We didn't really think that one out. I want to see this attack, though, in the trailer. Well, see, I'm guessing that it probably, like, they did it and then decided the effect looked too shitty if it was like a fake giant butterfly but then again there there was a shitty fake giant butterfly in brides of blood and that movie's still awesome and made a ton of money so Mm -hmm. right that that made a ton of money well probably because it cost 15 cents to make so (laughs) and it was made in the philippines yeah yeah that's fun. We just posted on Instagram uh, bl- uh, uh, a blood monster, one of the blood monster men. <laughs> Going back to frogs, my other favorite death is the guy who gets killed in the greenhouse by the lizards pushing bottles of pesticide onto the floor and <laughs> yes. asphyxiating him. But it says poison. It's like labeled poison. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was great. <laughs> and he runs straight towards the cloud of gas coming from where the things fell. Yeah. He looked pretty familiar with that greenhouse. He should be aware that there's giant jars of poison in the greenhouse and that they just fell over. What a, gleefully no. runs to it. Maybe what there a, was a scene that we didn't see of the lizards setting up the poison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they were making the poison and jarring it and, you know. Yeah, they wrote poison on it to let the other lizard know that those are the jars he was supposed <laughs> yeah. to push over. Right. But it's crazy cuz all these like lizards and I they they look like Komodo dragons or whatever just like wandering or, or like walking into this um or crawling into this greenhouse, and you think they're just going to attack him, and it's like, nope, they had a much more complex plan. <laughs> those, those, lizards are, those lizards are lizards are Argentinian tegus. Okay, um, the big the, ones. Uh, yeah, the monitor lizard looking ones, and mm. then you got the little geckos and anoles and all kinds of other ones pushing the jars off. And the best part <laughs> of that scene is every time a jar gets pushed off the shelf, it'll cut to a lizard opening its mouth like it's going, ha-ha, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> the plan worked. Yes. Uh, I, wonder how much- I think it's funny that they uh, there are shots where 
the actors themselves are walking by scary animals and they kind of like are a little stiff probably because they're scared. Like there was a guy who had to walk by an alligator and then there was mm. the rattlesnake and like, you just see them like that, like that actor had to walk by kind of close like that. Ugh. The guy that gets killed by the alligator then just wrestles the alligator. Yeah. And it looks like he's the one doing the killing. Yeah. That definitely was like a, like a pro who had like some weird, like mask over his head. Like it was, I don't know what that was. I rounded a couple times to like try to figure out what was going on there. Cause it's definitely like someone they, they like disguise to look like the actor in that one. What is it? Anyone have a favorite death or murder in this one? I think Brian like mentioned a couple of his favorites. Yeah, the Spanish moss and the lizards with the poison. Those are my two favorites. Which one wins? <laughs> I think the lizards with the poison, just because of the looks on the lizards' faces as they claim their victory against humanity. <laughs> yeah, that is good. What was the? Uh, there, there was the one where the. The one girl gets her her shoe stuck in the muck, I guess. And, yeah, um, that one's mine. <laughs> what is that giant giant turtle that was like coming towards her? <laughs> I don't so, know if I'm correct or not, but I think it's an alligator snapping. Yeah, turtle. that's what it looked yeah. like. Yeah, it was huge, but that was a good one. Even though you don't really see anything, you just kind of see her mangled body afterwards with the crabs. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> But uh, I just like funny. that she just sits there acting like she's stuck, and it is it looks so obvious that she is not stuck at yeah. all. <laughs> I'm sure it's just the fact that they didn't figure anyone would care, but I like to think the frogs were marshalling an army from all over the world because those <laughs> crabs are Chesapeake Bay blue crabs, <laughs> which don't come from Florida. Yeah. The monitor lizards are from Argentina, and yeah. most of the toads are giant South American toads. Right. And I'm pretty yeah. sure I saw a cobra at some point. Like yeah. it was just like a quick shot of a cobra. I'm like, okay. They you know, I bet every reptile it, in the shot. There had to be some Joe Exotic type motherfucker out there who got paid <laughs> bankroll for this the, this yeah. gig. The Frog King. Yeah. <laughs> what what is the first animal attacks movie? Hmm. It's probably so, birds, right? Yeah, probably. That's at least it's something that could be identified, in, you know, in this subgenre. Certainly, other people who get killed in animals in other movies, but yeah, the, a movie where that is the whole thrust of the story and the plot. I think you're probably right there. Yeah, I would say birds. Yeah, I wonder what was the next one. Frogs. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I I am pretty confident that that might actually be the arc of of the the genre, at least in the states. Birds to frogs. Yeah. Does anybody have a favorite Animals Attack movie? Jaws. Yeah. Jaws is probably my favorite movie, just period, <laughs> let alone Animal Attack movies. But oh, let's remove Jaws from the equation just for just for the sake of <laughs> okay. exploring other movies. <laughs> kind of an unfair. It is good though that one of the best movies ever made is an animals attack movie. So yeah. yeah. Hmm. Sorry, I'm kind of like cheating by looking up movies. Um, Joe, Joe, you got one. Um, gut reaction is Piranha and or Piranha Two. I I like both of them mm. a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can't beat those. Part two is amazing. 
I'll go with um, Razorback just because it's a fun movie. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I support it a that. Lot. Okay. Brian, what you got that isn't Jaws? Uh, well, I'm still not going to add much to the diversity because mine was also going to be Razorback. Okay. That's, like, that's like a top 10 favorite movie for me. I that's absolutely love that flick. It's fucking cool. Jaws 2. <laughs> <laughs> but only Yo. the novelization that adds all the stuff they cut out of the script back in. Right. Or you can go with Orca, the, the Jaws ripoff. I really like Day of the Animals, and I really like Kingdom of the Spiders, but I fucking love Wild Beasts. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. I still have yeah. not seen that movie, and I have a bootleg DVD of it just like in my collection. Treat, treat yourself to that Severin release. It's it's oh yeah it's good. yeah it's I nice. Know, I know there's been yeah there's that that's a much nicer release than the bootleg I have. But yeah, if you're also, into really, some un, if you're into some or in the market for some uncomfortable underage nudity and a bunch of rats burned alive, <laughs> treat yourself. Okay, All right. that'll be <laughs> spoiler the spoiler alert. Second movie I've seen where bats were burned burned alive. I don't know if it's true or not, but apparently, but from what I read. A lot of the frogs and toads that were wrangled for frogs escaped. No, oh, really? <laughs> Devastating the local uh, the, yeah. the ecological balance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Florida just has a whole new yeah. species of frogs that yeah. they never had before this movie. Well, that that's what happened uh, uh, with snakes, and specifically when Hurricane Andrew happened, like there was a giant explosion of of the uh, non uh, native snake um, variety. Because, yeah, because so many got busted loose, like when homes and stuff were destroyed, wow. and. And they were, uh, I remember watching a show where they, they were showing guys like that go and, you know, people putting calls about, oh, there's a snake here or whatever. And these guys, they go and they move them, I guess, just to somewhere, you know, where there's no people. Like, they don't, like, destroy them or anything. They just move them. But... <laughs> They have access so, to Superman's negative zone, and they're like, "All right, yes. no people there. They go there, well, <laughs> throwing well, so, them into a portal." Well, and and a, a person behind the camera said, "Well, when like, do you think you guys will ever get a grasp on these, um, you know, invasive species?" And the guy's like, "No, these are not invasive species anymore. They live here. It's yeah. over." Like. <laughs> They live here. They thrive. Like it's it's they they're just now a natural part of the population. The uh, that happened in Florida with a bunch of I think pythons uh, and constrictors based on just an insane amount of illegal animal trade in Florida, and then just people cutting and running and just or their snakes escaping but it's such a problem that they combat the alligator population so you can find a lot of video evidence of alligators and giant snakes fighting in florida yeah and photo evidence it's kind of fun <laughs> <laughs> that would be my animal attacks movie it's, like, I, I was gonna say it's nature's animal attacks movies <laughs> 
Pretty sure that's just a Jim Wynorski movie, Super Croc versus Mega Cobra or some goddamn thing. <laughs> so Frogs right. was released on an eco horror double feature with Godzilla versus Hedera. Okay. Oh, yeah. Godzilla I did versus see that. Smog Monster. Yeah. That's crazy. I wonder if they had any neat like theatrical ballyhoo gimmicks, you know, like the kind of you know get butts and seats sort of things, right. like w- weird little giveaways or. You know, people dressed like frogs dancing around in the street outside the theater kind of thing. <laughs> that would be amazing. So I, I might as well mention it now before I forget, but it is interesting that, again, we try to we attempt to take two movies that have nothing to do with each other, and we have created a double bill of ecological genre movies. Yeah. Just, yep. yeah. Never fails. Yeah. Yeah, every time. Probably. That was not at all intentional. Yeah, they both no, start out yeah. with, uh, with yeah, like I would say, like tree huggers, like trying to like document pollution and whatnot. And they both have snake attacks in <laughs> yeah, them. That's true. We, it's interesting that we have put a system in place to make sure we don't end up in these scenarios. Yeah, and yet still we still happens. the magic happens. That's fun. I love it. All right. Do we have anything else we want to say about frogs? Yeah, did anybody pick up on the or catch the Easter egg in the credits? Oh yeah, that that finally pays off what the poster promises, but you don't actually get in the movie. Yeah, yeah, the, the cute little cartoon frog with the hand in his mouth. Oh, it's just at the end. <laughs> it comes comes leaping onto the screen. Oh man, it, I'll have to in, rewatch it. Cr- yeah, it's cute, cute little touch at the end there. I always forget to stay for the the, the last bit of the credits, like. This time I did it with the other movie we did, but for Frogs, I just kind of shut it off right when it was done. Yeah, for me, this one's kind of a comfort food movie for me. This is, I don't know, at least the sixth or seventh time I've seen this one. Uh, it's one I can just kind of put on in the background in a rainy day, and mm. it's like a warm blanket kind of thing. Um, yeah. It, I, I really like this flick. I recognize all the goofy... Well, everything about it is goofy, really. But mm-hmm. I think something that really helps it actually feel a little more credible and atmospheric is the score. Um, it's got this minimal electronic score that just, it's kind of the, just all these atonal noises and things. Um, and it, it adds to the sleepiness of the movie, like you guys were talking about. It's kind of a real slow-paced, sleepy movie that doesn't mm-hmm. ever really you know, pick up and haul ass as far as the action is concerned. But that weird little mm-hmm. gurgly electronic score in the background just makes everything seem kind of dreamlike and eerie, almost like, you've, it's like you're watching the movie. The movie itself is on NyQuil. Basically, <laughs> yeah, um, Nyquil and trying to stay awake in the daytime. Yeah, yeah. but it it that quiet, eerie music kind of helps it from playing like a parody, even though it still kind of does. But it just makes like a big orchestral score would have just made everything seem completely over the top. Right, but yeah. I, I think it works better as this kind of quiet, sleepy little frog movie <laughs> i guess agreed i think you have a point I, there i think my oh, the two the, to to build on that there's this vibe that i remember from my childhood of like being home in the afternoon after school or uh in the summertime and like at my grandmother's house having nothing to do and just having usa television on and uh there would just generally be a movie on in the afternoon 
and it just feels right at home with that caliber of movies. It's like it's like, it'd be like a Chuck Norris movie or Alligator mm-hmm. or something. Some uh, Night Stalker would just be on, uh, and it just this movie feels like it is in that realm. And so to me, to it is also quite kind of like a warm blanket. Like it brings me back to a very very specific place. Yeah, it'd like come on after Xena, Warrior Princess, or something. <laughs> yeah. So thumbs up from Brian oh, and yeah. Ryan and me and Andrew. You are a thumbs down. I guess so. Like I mean, it was it had some charm to it, but I th- I think I just rather watch any other like any other Animal Attacks movie. <laughs> Yeah, to give Andrew some backup, I would put my thumb sideways on this one. It's for the animals attack enthusiast. I don't think it's for many other people. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think so. It's a, it's I mean, very you'd specific have to be, flavor. Yeah, you'd have to love that to like this movie. I thought that you were going to say, I don't know, just like any other movie. <laughs> yeah, any other movie. No, I wouldn't go that far. But any other animal attacks movie, I would definitely probably watch before this one again. Well then, there you have it. There you have it. Frogs. Yeah. All right. We'll be back after this word from our new You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. Joe, tell us about Alien from the Deep. From toxic sludge springs a horrific new life form thanks to a corrupt chemical plant that have been dumping in an active volcano, leaving an environmental activist and a snake miller to save the day. So, this movie is uh, what happens when Greenpeace takes on a major corporation. There's two people from Greenpeace go to private island with his company that his name sounds like UPN but it isn't UPN and they're they're you know they're drilling stuff uh, they're polluting stuff they're making power and energy and it's a, also seemingly a paramilitary operation or a military operation but the big thing is they're polluting and they're dumping cans of pollution large drums of polluted material in a big can into a volcano hole that they have available and accessible to them. And, uh, you know, our Greenpeace characters try to try to stop that, and it upsets the gargantuan company, and they get some scandalous material on a VHS of the company polluting, and so the company goes after them using their security force. Uh, and then towards the end of the movie, some sort of alien from the deep emerges and starts getting people... And it gets all the people, and then the the Greenpeace lady makes friends with a snake man who lives in the wilderness, who's a dork, but has a shotgun. And then together they fight the alien from the deep that continues to change form in the last 25 minutes of the movie. The end. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's 
I felt like I just watched it again. <laughs> Big claw. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing. Yeah, that I thought it was just going to be a giant claw the entire time. Well, Me too. Not the entire time. Like, the alien doesn't show up until, yeah, the last, like, I don't know, maybe fourth of the movie. Well, that's the thing. We watched Galaxy of Terror on this show, right? Was that what we watched, or did we watch no. one of the other Corman ones? We watched, we watched Forbidden World. Yeah, right. We watched Forbidden World. And that has a similar, like, alien ripoff vibe of a constantly mutating monster that did that at first in that movie. It, I was just kind of like, uh, what is this? Is it a skeleton? Is it a blob? Like, what is this movie going to be? Or what is this monster going to be? This movie did the same thing and then just completely swept me from beneath my feet when in the final 10 minutes of the movie, the alien from the deep stands up and it's just a <laughs> giant thing that is wandered like taller than the like my house and it's just a big erected creature it's like a giant looks robot more like claw monster <laughs> it definitely looks like a robot you can see the the giger geiger influence there but uh oh yeah that was i like that i like that a lot when it stood up i was like all right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna say th- this is our our, our third uh, Antonio Margariti, or fourth for me, if you count Alligator. Oh, right. <laughs> I was actually wondering if you were going to accidentally watch some other movie with a similar title that wasn't made by Antonio Margariti this time, That's just for funny. a little bringing it full circle. But Well, for a moment there, I thought I was watching the... I thought we, I guess we were, were all watching the wrong movie because I was like, there's no way an alien's like going to show up in this. Andrew, I had the same exact <laughs> panic moment. I, I didn't get to watching them until this morning and was just like, oh, fuck. This is not the right movie. Yeah. <laughs> I gave everyone the wrong movie. Yeah. <laughs> I but, probably... Yeah. Sh- I probably should have explained that it starts out as an environmental espionage movie and then detours into ro- a romancing the stone jungle adventure, wacky romantic comedy, but with no romance before it finally turns into a sci-fi horror creature feature. That is, those are the perfect words to describe what this movie is as a whole. No with, with romance, also, just, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, with also a whiff of, uh, you might get some cannibals. Nope, just kidding. Oh Wait. my god, the, the little boy at the beginning. Yeah. That's fucked up. What does he say his name is? He's he's Oh, god, I don't remember his name. I, yeah, me 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 Datu. Me Jane. <laughs> <laughs> that was offensive and and hilarious. Like I, I love <laughs> And it went nowhere. I thought this kid was going to be in the movie. Yeah, what the no. hell? Like, why? Why is there? He's, he's like an Asian kid on this island, uh, and I just don't. Was that like some sort of Indiana Jones kind of ripoff or something? No, this was shot in the Philippines. Um, uh, that's what okay. Jane and Bob, or uh, excuse me, Jane and Lee, the two Greenpeace people, were called in by that minister they talked to briefly. He's a missionary on the island trying to convert the the natives, and he's. He knows that Ekem is is doing horrible things, dumping this toxic waste into the volcano, and has called them in to, you know, crack the case. So he's just a kid from the village. Yeah, Datu brings them to the guy, the missionary. And that's all he does, and then then the missionary goes, "Good job, boy." Yeah, and holds, <laughs> pats him on the shoulders. Yeah, sends him on his way, and then the missionary is no longer a character in the movie. Yeah, yeah, I guess that was set up. Their 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 goal was set up, so that was over with. Mm-hmm. 
And then soon Lee is no longer a character in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, he gets <laughs> beat up and, and shot up with some kind of tranquilizer and strapped to a table. Yeah, they um, really beat the shit out of him in this movie. And he gets touched <laughs> by the claw monster and his arm starts melting and has a pulse for whatever reason. <laughs> I, his suicide is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> both, both, both. The, the, his suicide was great because I gotta love when a body doll falls out of mm-hmm. a cliff and just falls for a distance and hits the ground. But also when is it? I'm sorry, Jane. And his head falls off the of the body. The little. Uh, oh, does it? Yeah. When Jane hops out of the helicopter, I was that was <laughs> I did that was that was a turn on a dime i did not expect that or see that coming and then that stunt it's like a three camera sh- cut of, <laughs> of a this person doing falling? this stunt no that one was a human was it? Got out of that. yeah that was a stunt and straight oh, okay. into water and it just had three vantage points for and whatever I, reason i thought like, it was a doll falling into water that was crazy that was cool <laughs> um yeah what what Brian said about the romance, but not really is it. What it does have is a weird, um, sort of like supposed to be like sexual tension, but it's so goofy ah. that it just doesn't lend anything to anything other than just to make the movie funny. They're yeah. throwing quips at each other about how they're not city or like she's a city person, he's not a city person. But he's from L.A. and she hates the Rams or something or whatever fucking football team. <laughs> yeah, sports. Like, where do these? And it's all dubbed and it's all just so foreign sounding. Mm. I, well, I I was gonna that was another point that I had was the, the the translation flavor, as it were, of 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 the script. Like I like this is a very there's a specific sort of tone that these like late 80s Italian movies have this very like thing that like like Claudio Fragrasso is like is like the like master of making people say things that don't sound like that is what a <laughs> person would say naturally in a situation and this movie's got plenty of it, and mm-hmm. that's fun and entertaining. Somehow that whole batch of movies are all so day-baked and, like, soaked with sun, which adds this just other hallucinatory effect onto them, like the later a- 80s Italian movies. And this mm-hmm. is so in that camp. That's very sweaty. Mm-hmm. Yes. So sweaty. I love that Bob is just sitting like by a tree when she stumbles literally like across. They run into each other. And he catches her by her boobs. (laughs) As one does. (laughs) It's the only way to do it. He rolls on top of her. Also, he's just sitting there, like like Joe just pointed out. He's what the fuck was he doing? Like what what an underwhelming entrance for any yeah. character in a he's movie. He's waiting ever. for snakes. Yeah, just wanted to squeeze some snakes. <laughs> <laughs> he squeezes so many snakes. How about that snake? <laughs> hit? They go in the cave. 
there's the cave and there's just like we're gonna go in the cave and then there's just this awkward pause where mm. and it's nobody's performing or doing anything on the screen it's just like wait they're not gonna go in the cave and then the security force that is hunting them at the moment kind of gets near them and they're like okay now we can go in the cave and they run into the cave they get out of the cave the security force goes in the cave suddenly the cave is just full of snakes Mm-hmm. Well, it's yeah, because it Bob had tobacco, remember? Snakes hate tobacco, and he was spitting to bet you. That's why he spit. That's why he spit. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. All right. That is, that makes- I love that. Yeah, that's that a- tracks. I ha- that has to be my favorite scene, just with snakes getting thrown at people or whatever. And <laughs> The one guy goes hard. Whoever, I don't know if he dubbed his own voice or what, but somebody goes hard in that scene. He's just like, yeah. no! Yeah. I want to die! You bastards! Oh, no! yeah. ah! And then, like, one of their deaths <laughs> is just, like, like him on the ground, like, with the flashlight just shining in his eye. Like, that was, just, that was a bizarre... Cool. It was cool. It was a cool shot. I like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> what a bizarre movie this was. Yeah. I mean, that's par for the course with Margariti, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Well, I don't think think his movies are always like this, but like this is definitely like I'm watching it and I'm just like every like 15 minutes or so, I'm just like, what is happening? Like, I don't even know what's happening. I'm enjoying it, but I don't know what's happening. The uh, um, uh, Last Hunter is a, it's a movie I like that is part. It's earlier in the 80s. I think it's like 80, 80 or 81 or 82. But it is similar, a jungle movie, and it's like a Vietnam trauma exploitation thing going on. But that is also a movie that's so bizarrely confusing and perplexing, and it's a man on a mission, but it's also like, what the fuck is the mission? What are they doing? But it's just gory (laughs) and over the top, and it's just constantly surprising out of nowhere, which is, I think, the flavor that I like most about his movies. Mm -hmm. Is there a tape that someone's looking for? In that one, no. The tape. All right, I have a question, Brian. You might you might be able to help with this one. Yeah. Uh, Jane's dubbing sounded so familiar, uh, and I, I couldn't really place it, but I was just like, I've heard this voice a million times, and I was like, all right, you know, I know I'm aware of actors and actresses who do voice work strictly and have in that era done a lot or like worked with other people. Do you know who voiced Jane in this? I don't. And I was thinking, I was trying to find earlier today because the guy who voiced Dr. Jeffrey sounded super familiar to me too. But I I couldn't find who it was who there needs to be like an IMDB of just dubbing. And you Mm -hmm. get that sometimes. Like if you look up like a Kaiju movie or something, because frequently people who are now big names used to dub kaiju movies in the 50s and 60s, right? Like mm-hmm. Key Luke and George Takei and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I, I couldn't find out who did either of their voices, but they, they're definitely familiar, yeah. So I don't know about Jane or who did it, but I stumbled onto the career of Carolyn de Fonseca. Are you familiar with her? Name doesn't ring a bell, but I've probably heard 50 things she's dubbed. <laughs> Holy fuck! She stubbed everything, including at a glance, pieces, uh, the scorpion with two tails, a tour, the fighting eagle, which makes me think that we can be close to this. Um, 
And uh, Piranha 2, strangely, is one of the things in her credits. But she has hundreds of dubbing credits, and I think this might be one of her voices. Yeah, could very well be. No way to confirm that. Hmm. She did Inferno, <laughs> Terror Express, Beyond the Darkness, fucking something called Blood and Diamonds. That sounds cool. I don't know what that is, but that's who doesn't love Blood and Diamonds? <laughs> Together, Blood and Diamonds. Every time I see a Margarita movie, I just wait for uh, David Warbeck to come on the screen. And that, it's sad when he doesn't. That would have made this movie so much cooler. But instead of David Warbeck, you get Charles Napier, yes. who yeah, one of my absolute favorite character actors, and one he's even though he kind of always plays the same guy, just like you know a lot of general our, asshole, our, our, our favorite <laughs> character actors. I like he never gets brought up. Like when people are talking about Dick Miller, or, you know, the the that guy kind of actors. I feel like Charles Napier never gets brought up, or at least not enough. And he's so underrated because he's fantastic. Have you guys yeah, seen he re- a movie? Huh? He gives it his all in this one. And he doesn't appear to be dubbed, which is great. No, no. They definitely let him keep his own voice. Like, mm. he, have you guys seen One-Eyed Monster? No. Mm-hmm. I have not. I don't think it's so. a movie about... It's kind of like Killdozer, but with a dick. Um, an alien... <laughs> An alien force comes down on a mountainside where some people are shooting a porno and possesses Ron Jeremy's dick, which detaches itself from his body and runs around killing everyone. And and Charles Napier plays the sort of crazy Ralph character of this (laughs) old Vietnam vet mountain man who has seen this happen before to his platoon in Vietnam and gives this astonishing speech that very much is meant to echo uh, Robert Shaw's Indianapolis speech from Jaws about his platoon. You don't know terror until you've seen an entire platoon of Marines massacred by a dick. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds incredible. Yeah, it's... I mean, he's far and away the best... Late nineties, early two thousands, probably. I actually looked it up. It's two thousand eight. Oh shit! Okay, it was later than I thought. Yeah, that's <laughs> wild. wild monster. <laughs> is he? Is uh, is is Ron Jeremy in trouble right now? Is he in hot water? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is he a creeper? Yeah, I think uh, I think he's in jail, right? Or he was been arrested for rape or something. Oh shit! Yeah. Well, there's another yeah. one to ruin all the movies. <laughs> no. uh, hey, do you... Uh, no, I don't want to take the conversation... Ho- well, I'm going to. Um, I wanted to go back to... Uh, just because we're talking about military and stuff. One thing we never talked about in the last movie, Frogs, was there was a dog named Colonel in the movie. And the, I swear to God, I did not see a dog the entire movie until the very, very end. Is that... Is that am I wrong in that? I think you see him hanging out by okay. like in some of the party scenes where they're out on the lawn. He's like, I swear to God, I went back to the party scenes and didn't see him. But all right, we'll we'll go back to Alien from the Deep. Sorry, I, I may have just been <laughs> gaslighting myself into seeing a dog just because I wanted to see a dog. I don't know. Yeah, I just started imagining this gorgeous coat and pointed ears. This some sort of shepherd or collie, Australian collie. Weird. Okay. 
Yeah. Um, alien from the deep. Going back to that. Sorry. <laughs> All right. So, so thinking of character actors, there's two big ones in this. Charles Napier is the obvious one to uh, most American audiences, but going and back then, to Doctor Jeffrey is played by Luciano yeah. Picozzi. Yeah. Who, uh, has been in a shitload of movies, um, over a, well over a hundred. Uh, Your Hunter from the Future, Werewolf in a Girl's Dormitory, Robo War, Blood and Black Lace, you know, tons of our kind of movies, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's he's great. He's in a bunch of apocalypse movies from the, the like the Italian apocalypse movies and stuff. Uh, yeah, his career is fucking cool. He's I, he. There was something that was bugging me is I recognized him from something more recently that I've watched and I just couldn't fucking place it and his IMDB didn't help me. And I was yeah, like, so this was, this was his second to last movie. Yeah. He died? Or he retired? By Presumably killing himself? Died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, his top bill is Your, um, and I've never seen that and I really want to. Your is great. Yeah, uh, Mill Creek put that out on Blu-ray a year or two ago. Like You used to be able to find that in the five dollar bin at walmart which is amazing because that used to be such a hard to get a hold of movie i remember seeing a poster for it in a book when i was a kid like oh my god that looks amazing it was the turkish poster so it was this big wild like painted uh comic book panel looking poster and you know it was one of those things that got traded like third and fourth generation Mm -hmm. bootlegs on the uh, convention circuit and now you can get it on Blu-ray for five bucks with a commentary track by Reb Brown, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, may- and maybe someday we'll finally get the full version of it. The The complete version of Yor, I want to say, is like three and a half hours long. Oh, my God. <laughs> really? Cause was, yeah, because it was created to be shown in chapters or like, a you know, over a couple of nights, like almost like a miniseries on television. Hmm. And so there's like tons of extra monster scenes and, and special effects and things that just you know got whittled down to a buck or an hour and a half so it could um, be shown in theaters. But yeah, somewhere out there, somebody's got the other ninety minutes of your sitting in their basement. Jesus, <laughs> that and they they that's that's they didn't just leave the monster stuff in. They cut monster stuff. I mean, for time, I suppose. I'm sure each yeah. uh, chapter, each segment had its own monster stuff, and at some point, there's like, well, we got to lose some of it, or it's just going to be nothing but Reb Brown punching rubber triceratopses, which <laughs> I would watch for three hours. But mm-hmm. same, it's like the uh, the God the God the uh, the uh, the Godfather saga, like where they cut. One and two. Oh yeah, all the monsters chron- are missing chronologically. <laughs> well, well, there's like a ton of scenes that were cut from two that they put in to it, like really good scenes that were just cut for time, but are actually like really cool scenes. Oh no shit! It's been yeah, forever since scenes. I've looked at those. How about that volcano? Yeah. <laughs> I, we had to bring up the miniatures, and that's like my favorite one. The volcano shot. Especially <sighs> like when they first get there, and he's looking at it from the binoculars, <laughs> and they do like the cut of him, like the binocular vision yeah. of the of the model. <laughs> With a little smoke coming out yeah. the top, like a fucking science project. Yeah. I love that shit. Well, and then later I, on, they he looks at it again, and it's the same shot of the model. So I was I, wondering. 
Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna, I love the miniature work in this movie. It, <laughs> I'm, granted, there are a couple of shots that are maybe a little ropey, but most of it looks like it's from a movie that had a way bigger budget yeah. than this probably did. Um, killer special effects were kind of Marguerite's specialty because he started out special effects before he went to directing, but... Mm. I think most of the miniature stuff in this movie is damn near as good as what Terry Oshinakano nice. and Koichi Kawakita and the Tsuburaya production company were doing in Japan at the time. I mean, mm-hmm. like the, the, the models that get blown up later or when yeah. the thing is tunneling underground and they, they try to trap it with the uh, exogene, which is the chemical that Ekem is making on this Island that for some reason creates nuclear waste in the production of, mm but Dr. Jeffrey rigs up a flamethrower powered yeah. by it at one point. A green flamethrower. Yeah. Yeah, the boat explosion's pretty cool. That looked great. So he was an he was a special effects person before he got into directing? Yeah. Yeah, I got to start has, I want to say like in the 50s uh doing special effects work and then you know wound up getting to be in the director's chair later on. Well, that's that. One of the things about him is, it, you know, the miniatures are one thing uh, that pop up a lot in his his work, mm. but the relentless explosions, like explosions that go on for way too long, mm-hmm. are are uh, there, and it's part of his charm. It's like one of the things I like in his movies. But uh, I, I would, as a special effects person, was he just like high on that, or like was he? Was he just like do, like overdoing it on purpose, or overdoing it because he sincerely liked it, but like maybe didn't recognize that it kind of was stupid in a good way? Maybe because he was like working on these low budget movies, it was like the thing he really, really knew how to do well, and it it definitely adds like a lot of value to the movies when you have these cool special effects. And explosions don't cost a lot, so when you're working with a low budget, and maybe you can't always afford to build the kick-ass miniatures that this movie has, you just set off a whole lot of propane, and it looks pretty on the screen. Yeah, and it and it fills the runtime. You know, it wasn't a miniature; was that giant claw that keeps on showing up? That thing was huge. And that the full size alien at the end. Oh yeah, that was definitely. I guess that wasn't a miniature; it was a giant twenty-five foot robot alien thing. And that thing, at this point in Margarita's career, his son Eduardo was usually along as his effects director, but Eduardo had just gotten his first uh, full directing job when they went to make this movie, so uh, Margariti uh, contracted the building of the alien out to a local Filipino crew, so it didn't really have a lot of functionality. It was basically just a giant marionette that they hung from a crane and kind of, <laughs> you know, waddled it around. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's no Queen Xenomorph, but the fucking thing is, like you said, 25, 30 feet yeah. tall. I mean, that is an impressively huge practical effect yeah. for a very yeah. low-budget movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, the marionette factor alone is, it, it's pretty clear to the audience mm. that that is how it's operating, but the concept of operating a marionette on that scale is an art in itself. Yeah. yeah. Like, and they make it like, fight a payloader. Like, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was hoping that something would tie uh, back to the random thing, uh, Jane and what? what's the camera guy's name? Lee. Uh, Lee. Lee and Jane. Lee was like, remember that time at the union strike? And <laughs> yeah. you fucked with, you would be in your top form if you used a truck to go mess with them like you messed with the, the scabs at the union strike. Mm. And she's like, ah, I can't do that now. 
And I, yeah. it's just, it all paid that. But then Bob was like, I can do all that. paid off. Yeah. Well, but then she, then it doesn't work for him, but then she hops behind another rig, right? I forget who drove that thing at the end. Well, he starts, he gets in first, and then my first thought was just like, no, she's supposed to do this. And then it, it doesn't work, and the, the he escapes it as the alien kicks it into the volcano, uh, and then she comes from the side in another one, and so then yeah. she does it. Yeah, but they had was, a surplus I, of those things. Yeah, they had a lot of construction vehicles. <laughs> I don't know what this plant is. They had a power plant on a private island? Like, what is it's? Yeah, I mean, I I assume this company is run by Blofeld, because it's built into the side of a volcano. Yeah. As in Bond-related? Yeah, because he has volcano layers, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What what I want to know, and this seems like an oddly little uh, uh, nitpick thing, but, like, they've got these big payloaders on this ledge next to an opening into the heart of this active volcano. It's got to be hot as fuck. What are they used for tires? Yeah. Wouldn't the <laughs> yeah, tires yeah. on those payloaders just melt being in proximity to a volcano? Yeah. yeah. Beyond beyond that, every aspect of the building <laughs> that they have, like everything is just sitting on an open volcano. Yeah. That, Even at the whole, end, they just like casually toss this like VHS cassette and like, into the volcano they're standing next to. Because <laughs> that's the answer. No one should ever see this. Yeah. <laughs> Not after this tragedy. When they were deciding if they were going to you know, take that building, if they were going to lease it, they, one of the things that they were looking at was volcano accessibility. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. The danger is over! Considering that this <laughs> company was dumping toxic waste into the volcano that was then being superheated and blasting a beam of pure radiation into space, you'd think everyone on that island would be nothing but tumors already. Right, right. Yeah. Ne- never mind the heat, but... Um, also, it's the last place you expect to look for the a- alien from the deep would be in the ocean. The, well, what? that's just they—they they mentioned something crashing into the lake. Yeah, it's, it, it's not. It's quick. Clear. Yeah, it's not really they, made clear right. whether the alien was drawn to the beam of plasma being shot out of the volcano, or mm. if the navigation and propulsion equipment on its spacecraft was just damaged by it as it was flying past Earth and it crash landed mm. there. But yeah, it, it is from space first and then in the deep because it, the alternate title to this movie was Alien from the Abyss. So yeah. it was also very oddly attempting to cash in on another Jim Cameron movie. <laughs> well, speaking of cashing in on, you know what I noticed? Uh, the titles. Did, did either anybody pick this up as the, the title that flies into the, the frame at the beginning of the movie? Is actually just two graphics cut from the title Alien mm-hmm. and also Humanoids from the Deep. Okay. That's and it's just the 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 <laughs> cell at the beginning of the movie. There, it was so lo-fi enough that I could see the um, like pixels behind the mm. screen, so I could see where the cut lines were uh, of of that. And it was just I I, I wouldn't have no, I didn't notice at first, but then the movie came on again as it was ending, like it just replayed, yeah. and I saw that there. That's it was totally just alien from the deep. Yeah, <laughs> that's interesting. So do you um. 
Because you must have watched a different cut thing. I've got this movie on DVD from 1-7 Films. Okay. Um, and the the title card for my version looks like it was made for the movie. It, it's really? Not a, a, yeah, it's not a clipped together weird little thing. At least I'm pretty sure it's not. So yeah, I, I, I wonder... Pull... Well, there, there is a Japanese cut of this movie that has more gore in it. So I wonder mm-hmm. if you guys want That's to what get I... hold of that. I think um, we I watched think we the did. because um, I think there's like a the boat scene where uh, the guy gets like this little mini claw on his boat, and <laughs> then that's when you realize, oh, if it touches you, you like melt. I feel oh, like the, I feel like it explodes on. There's like more. There's more, and then you see the uh, the guy come up from the sea, or and he his face is all melted. I don't think yeah. that's in one of the cuts, right? Like that's that's in the more gory version. Okay, well, that's in the version. I oh, okay. Well, then I'm wrong. But he also gets it's, shot in the head. Yeah. It's possible that when it got put out on DVD, they... Because uh, both, I think, it's 1-7 films and Maya films are the ones who put out The Great Alligator, my other favorite Antonio Margariti movie. Um, I, I would assume that they took... You know, if they're going to bother to put out these obscure-ass movies, they're going to take some care and... and putting the best version of it together, even mm-hmm. if it's not high def or whatever, loaded with special features. So um, it's possible that they got the all the gore back from the Japanese cut, put that back in, and then used the not-goofy title card, I guess. Our source material was a pal from, from Europe, but uh, I don't know where or off the, offhand. I don't remember what, what production company put it out, but we got the full full release of it. Okay. What's sadly only aud- uh, offered audio language differences. Yeah, I think mine might have a trailer on it, and that's it. Yeah. We you mentioned this. Is this your favorite? Favorite Margareti? Margariti? Yeah. Well, I say other favorite. It's, it's probably maybe tied between this and and Great Alligator. I just have such a soft spot for this one because I've never met anyone else who's even heard of it. <laughs> Which is why I picked it for. You know, when you ask me to come on, what do you want for the B feature? Like, it's got to be this one because I have to tell somebody else about yeah. this crazy fucking movie. It's definitely, it's a later Margariti, and I yeah, I definitely never heard of this movie at all before uh, you picking it. It's got all these amazing special effects of this wild giant alien that you know when he starts shooting it with the flamethrower. Its mm-hmm. helmet breaks off, and it's got like all these weird jaggedy glass teeth. Yeah, it. that was pretty neat. Well, we I think we could say that arguably this movie's greatest flaw, um, and also its greatest charms are interchangeable. Its charms being the weird, wacky plot uh, ripoffs that you mentioned earlier with the romancing the stone and the eco terrorist conspiracy plot, and then just alien. But there isn't enough fucking alien in this movie, and it's. Man. But it, if but there were expensive. more than, <laughs> right, right. But and if there were more, then we wouldn't get the weird romancing the stone ripoff. So it's it's like a tit for tat when it comes for that. And speaking I'm okay of which, with there's it. no nudity in this movie, which is weird. Oh, no, yeah, it's, yeah. They kind of still went sleaze though, because there's like a, like the last 15 minutes of the movie, the the girl in the movie yeah, she she's like all wet t-shirt up for the entire duration 
But she, she is had wet to go t-shirt in the decontaminations chamber because oh yeah <laughs> there there is so much wet look kink in this movie she is constantly getting wet first just in the movie just mm-hmm. getting wet and then running around with shirt clinging to her Jane me Jane me Jane <laughs> thinking of the gore that gets back at how great is uh, Doctor Jeffrey's death yeah. When they're fighting the alien at the end, and it steps on him, mm. and I'm pretty, sh- and I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be gruesome, but it looks like a cartoon special effect, like when Wiley Coyote gets run over. <laughs> yeah, he's just, like, just flat in yeah. places. <laughs> I love the smooth. Uh, it's just like one fluid motion. Like the doctor comes in, and he kind of gets bumped, and his uh, his his flamethrower pack just like slides onto Bob's arms, and then he gets stepped on. <laughs> Andrew, uh, Joe, do you have favorite Mar- Antonio Margheriti movies? Um, um, I feel like I need to watch more of his movies. I've seen definitely a handful, but um, I don't know. Of the ones I, 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 I like Castle of Blood a lot. I'm going to go with that. That's I don't know if that's like a good choice or not, but I just remember that's the one that really stuck out to me the most because, I don't know, it's older and uh, that, different. That's mine also. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I'm just remembering now that he did special effects for uh, Duck You Sucker, which is full hmm. of explosives and a fun movie. Yeah, that is really fun. Uh, just just a long time. looking at the list, I have not seen enough of his movies, but I will say that uh, The Last Hunter is, is absolutely yeah. just maybe my favorite of all of them. But I would give a lot of credit to uh, Cannibal Apocalypse, Cannibals in the Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cannibal Apocalypse is up there for me. John John Saxon, R.I.P. Uh, yep. Yeah, that was sad. Was it? He's old. But at least we still have John Morgan. It's still sad. I got it was sad when you know Romero died, when uh, Ennio Morricone died. They're all old. It's still sad. Well, you've just got a big old heart, don't you? Big old heart for old men. <laughs> 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 the very the very poorly received sequel to No Country for Old Men. <laughs> Big lot for old men. <laughs> oh brother. Brian, do what? you have a favorite uh Margarita? Yeah, it's, it's either this one or the Great Alligator. Oh right, you did say that. Okay. Yeah. Well guys, is there anything more to say about this this in, insane movie? I enjoyed it. <laughs> I want to know, and if any of your listeners hear this and they know and send you a message, please let me know what the fuck that room is that they walk into and Dr. Jeffrey says, this is where they mixed all the concrete when they yeah. were building the plant and it's full of chains. <laughs> I was when I'm like, wow, like um, cement like making got really interesting for me. It's like in this crazy ominous tunnel of chains. Yeah, like, And I assume, I thought maybe... Back in the day, they used a giant cylindrical chamber full of the chains make sense because they would stir the cement right, and they were building this entire plant. Yeah. Maybe they had on-site cement mixers. Whoa. So I was literally t- like trying to research this this afternoon, like old, giant, yeah. chain-driven cement mixers and shit on Google. I could not find a goddamn thing, but I it- really want to know what that room was and if that's a real <laughs> thing or not. Is that what's in those cement trucks, is just chains hanging from them, I guess? Like on the inside? No, in a truck, it's just a, a bare cylinder. Really? Okay. So, yeah. huh. 
list. But if you're yeah, I'm disappointed. On, but if you're using one on that scale, you know, a truck is just the size of a truck, but this fucking thing is like the size yeah. of a house. So, yeah, you know, that's you true. need something a little extra. Oh, yeah. What, the chain room or the alien? Yes. <laughs> How about Bob just throwing bullets at the claw? <laughs> just chucking bandoliers full of shotgun shells. Yeah. Bob casually shooting buckshot at the security force is very fun. Yeah. Because they, they seem to be using live ammunition that is, is, is will fuck you up. But they have impossible angles, and they can't hit them, but then Bob can hit them with his buckshot. Yeah. <laughs> it's very convenient and fun. It makes total sense. Right? Bob is the snake grabber, the, the snake squeezer. Yeah. S- squeezing them snakes. That's Bob me, Bob. Is- <laughs> My name is Bob. Yeah. He's <laughs> uh, such uh, a dork. <laughs> <laughs> right. Frogs. Versus Alien from the Deep. Wait, we didn't do thumbs up. No. Well, thumbs up. Thumbs up from me. A uh, word? Yeah. Brian, you got a thumbs up? No, I'm thumbs do another. Yeah. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Thumbs I'm going to do another thumbs sideways. Okay. Another sideways thumbs. Why? But, um, because it's if you like Margariti, uh, it's for you. But if that like weird late 80s straight-to-video Italian daytime movie kind of thing upsets you, it probably isn't for you because this movie is just dripping with that. Uh, and I'm like somewhere in between those two things. But So like, I enjoyed it. I didn't hate it. But I, I can't glowingly be like, thumbs up, you got to see this mm-hmm. kind of thing. Not that I didn't dislike it. Or not that I disliked it. Okay. Frogs. All right, so yeah, <laughs> versus Alien from the Deep. Who? You? <laughs> <laughs> Me? Me, Jane? Um, I think I'm I'm gonna pick uh, Alien from the Deep. Had a lot of cool stuff. Miniatures were cool. The story was bonkers, and um, <laughs> that was fun. Like, I mean, just if you say the story out loud or like the plot, it sounds way cooler than what you actually, I guess, see. But um, uh, I guess the my my deciding factor is that although this movie kind of bored me for a hundred and ten minutes, and then twenty minutes of like <laughs> awesome, like frogs, kind of, I was bored the entire time. So. You watched a 130-minute-long cut of Alien from the Deep? Yeah, 131 minutes. Oh, no, sorry, hour and a half, sorry. Sorry, yeah. One hour and 31 minutes, my bad. I'm, like, on clean feed time, where it's, like, minutes and not hours. Where April is a year ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 90 minutes, 91 minutes. So you were bored by so, negative yeah, I'll 10 say it minutes, again. Yeah. then a negative 20 minutes later, <laughs> so, you were hot yeah. on this movie. 70 minutes of boredom, 20 minutes of cool on Alien from the Deep. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it! Yeah, okay. <laughs> Brian, where do you sit? Uh, it's got to be Alien from the Deep. I mean, I do love frogs. We, there, there isn't a bad one in the batch tonight. But um, yeah, I, I, I love Italian movies. I love movies that 
absolutely shoot for the moon on practical effects, even when they can't afford a go-kart, let alone a spaceship. Um, and this one has just some astonishingly cool special effects on a very low budget, so it's got to be Alien from the Deep. Joe? I am going to go with Alien from the Deep. And I'm actually surprised to hear myself saying that because I yeah, thought that I would, I would be saddled up with frogs, but somehow I, I feel that Alien from the Deep has won me over on this one. Not by much, but enough that if somebody was like, you want to watch this or this, chances are I'm probably going to opt for Alien from the Deep. Yeah. See that miniature volcano? Yeah. All right, y'all want to be upset with me? <laughs> I won't be upset. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Only, Go ahead, Ryan. Only Andrew will be upset with you. Yeah. No, I won't. It's going to be it's going to be aliens from the deep. Alien wow. from the deep. Okay. Oh man, you try to fool us. <laughs> well, you know, I just gave it a little bit of a scathing criticism. Uh, but that's definitely the movie. I wish I was drunk and with friends and watching it kind of movie. Whereas Frogs, I don't think it's going to get better if we're drunk and watching it with friends. Yeah. <laughs> like, <clears throat> so, meh, that's where I am. Alien from the that Deep, for sure. That is a good sure. observation. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I feel similarly about both movies for different reasons, but yeah, Alien from the Deep. Okay. <laughs> I feel like if I was watching um, a bunch of lizards knocking over poison jars with a group of people, that'd be a fun time, though. Just that scene, though. Yeah, just that scene over. Just on loop. (laughs) It would be a good marathon movie after you get a bunch of heavy hitters, and that's like the more snoozy one in it, but it's still good Mm -hmm. because you're in that weird zen state. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, like the Florida movie. Yeah. Like the children. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. I went back, and I watched the children. Like It's good. Maybe like two years ago, and I actually didn't hate it as much as I thought I did. How am I the person that didn't hate that movie and everybody else hated that movie? Brian, you've seen that? Yeah, I like it a lot, too. It's right? a lot of fun. <laughs> Maybe it was just under moments. the circumstances. Like we, This was like played during a horathon that, uh, at the time, we were not too fond of like the choices of the, of the selection, so... And I can that, see that. I can see if you're already in a bad mood anyway, yeah. and then that comes on and you're like, ah, fuck this movie. But, like, not only is it endearingly goofy, but it is also incredibly brutal about the child murders in the movie. Like, when the, yeah. the scene where the parents just go at them with the fucking wood splitting yeah. axe. <laughs> like it's, it's good. And it's also very atmospheric, which for a movie that seemingly has no budget, it it's kind of cool it pulled that off. I remember John was ranting about the all of the time spent looking for the children multiple times on the bus that they already knew the children were not on because they were trying to get their money's worth out of the bus. Mm-hmm. Well, when you rent a bus, you got to go to Atlantic City or you, you know, shoot a movie in it. Oh, that's your option. It's got the guy from <laughs> The Thing in it. The the red haired kind of balding guy with the goatee. Who oh yeah. They torch with the flamethrower out in the snow when his hands are melting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brian, thank you for coming on. 
and enduring us for a second time. Well, thanks for having me back and uh, putting up with my weird choice of movie that I'm very happy everyone really liked, <laughs> or at least, or at least liked a little better than the other movie, anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was a good one. Do you have anything upcoming that you want to plug? Um, nothing new as of yet. Um, ScreamHorrorMag.com, you can subscribe or just buy single issues. I don't know when my next piece will be coming out. I don't think uh, anything in the next issue is mine, but they did send me a couple of questions about editorial notes for an article I did, so I'm guessing at least the second to next newest issue will have something for me in. Um, Amazon.com, you can look up The Leash by Brian Clark. A leash is like the thing you lead a dog around. Uh, it's got a story on there, plus a couple of stories and some anthologies. Um, yeah, that should, that's about it for right now. Cool. And you can reach us uh, at latenightpsychorama at gmail.com. Uh, and Instagram, and I think we're trying to become more active on Facebook. So yeah, we're we're on there again. too. Night spelled N- it. No, what? Who's there? Me. Oh, okay. Wait, what? Who's there? <laughs> <laughs> Who goes there? <laughs> I don't want to be on Facebook. <laughs> That's Is that true. Only t- the only two people I talked to on Facebook uh, in the last like month, it's Brian and uh, Jason. They're the only people I've spoken to on yeah. Facebook. <laughs> Keep it that way. Yeah. Uh, yo, uh, if you listen to the show, you like it, that's dope. We appreciate you. Uh, we are here for you. We want to hear more from you, so hit us up on social media. But if you can like and review us on any of the platforms that you listen to us on and or follow us, that would be fantastic. We can't ask for more. Except now we can, because we have a Patreon, and we just went live, and we have a ton of bonus content coming, including interviews and things that were cut from the regular show and monthly playlists, and also just a tip jar for if you like this, and you can just leave us a buck. But yeah, patreon.com slash LNP, and you will find us, and you can join us. You can become a late night psycho as well. Uh, fuck yeah! That we would we would love it if you did. Yes, yeah, we would love it very much. <laughs> Money not to be creepy about it or anything. Yeah, next week we're gonna do, or next time we're gonna do a heavy hitter that which we aren't going to reveal now. Basket case, but we can definitely have a screening of it. Next episode, we have the Meyer sisters, Madeline and Dylan. They are screenwriters in real, actual Hollywood. And we're going to be doing... Basket Case. Another Heavy Hitter episode. Haven't done one of these in a while. We're overdue. Uh, You will find out what that is soon. Basket Case. And uh, we will also be screening that Heavy Hitter episode on the internet online for free. All you need to do is go to www.selluvoid.com slash A-W-N-I-S. All we need is sleaze. Uh, Our good friend Mike does screenings all the time, and they're free and for everybody, and there's a chat room, and we can all talk, and it's a really good time. So on 
August 27th, you can expect us to do a watch-along of our next feature. Basket case. And we would love to thank our Patreon subscribers, who we love so much, and they're really good. And right off the top, we got a Joseph Moore, Joe Moore, friend and guest of the show, and attack of the Schiller podcast show donated and there's a kendall wilkins and a charles the joker perks who upgraded from once was a clown but now he's a joker and there's henry davies i don't know who that is but i love you henry reach out sometime soon bobby rodriguez and handy ah julie b as well as Mike Jallo Griner. All we need is Sleaze Master, the Sleaze Merchant himself, Mike. Thank you for donating to our Patreon. Thank yeah, you. Thank you very much. <laughs> now get out of here. <laughs> <laughs>